Welcome to AMO Kenzoku Resurrection, episode 38. Uh, we are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who wanted an excuse to talk about anime, manga, and any related subjects we find interesting. Uh, the Kenzoku are... Hey y'all, I'm Mike. Dylan. Yeah, I'm Dylan. Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Sam. Oh, man, <laughs> uh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Today we are back. Wash off that rust. <laughs> <laughs> wash off the rust the mold the 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 wrinkles i don't know wash off the the re-fermented natto <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the travel uh, dirt for some of us yeah all the, wash all off the, the, the con crudge yeah so we're back um we have been away just with life uh and various things that have just made it so we couldn't get together to record um but now we are all finally together uh, and we can talk about basically probably a bunch of random stuff this episode. Um, before we get into the episode proper, whatever that means, or <laughs> whatever, um, from our Lane episode, uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the little Lane, at the beginning of every Lane episode, they like say the title of the episode. And that Layer was a voice. zero, one. That one. <laughs> and uh that voice is actually uh from the voice generator that's been built into mac os since like forever uh huh. for a very long time it's the if you have a mac it still works to this day if you go into terminal you type say and then you tell it to use the voice called whisper and you can just type stuff and it will say whatever you want so i just used that to make the uh intro clip for our lane episode you caught that um today i learned learned. yeah so how did you how did you find that out were you just randomly looking around and found it or what uh i remembered this from actually one of my favorite lane sites that's been around since the beginning run by i think uh former maybe is either mit or some chicago college anime club who had a Lane fan site um, back when Lane originally aired, and he had a bunch of factoids on there about, especially a page dedicated to kind of the the Apple and uh, Macintosh references in the show, because the creators were also Mac fans. So there's some interesting things like uh, using Mekon instead of Apple for some things. Um, oh. And some some various other smaller things, but it, it, I'll put it in the show notes, link to the guy's webpage. But it's this guy wrote like whole essays on like stuff about it, and even like uh, argued against the creator's um, own interpretation of the show and how the show doesn't really like support his like. Um, it was it's it's a fascinating website, and I'm glad it still exists to this day. Um, That's actually pretty impressive that it still exists. Yeah. Yeah. A Space Jam era, practically <laughs> website. Yeah, I'd say like probably circa t- circa one two thousand, probably. Not the only Lane website from that era that's still up either. I suppose there's something to be said for a show appealing to the type of person who would keep a website up for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, there's talk. I think there's even um, postings of. Um, discussions from Usenet about Lane um, on that website, which also tells you its age. So yeah, so I guess we'll get into 
whatever counts for the the main topic um so i guess i'll just start off and see how long we go for but i as one of the reasons we couldn't record is that i was in japan for two weeks of it um just kind of seeing the sights and doing stuff um one of the things i did was go to the tokyo game show which i didn't realize was happening when i planned my trip until like i had already booked all my hotels so i kind of had to mess with my schedule a little bit um to go but uh that was a very fun experience i remember asking you guys like (laughs) should i go because i was kind of like 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 nick said i think you said uh all that information is online like instantly so there's like no real reason to go and then dylan's like yeah but you should go to go (laughs) and i think that one out for me was like yeah just the experience of uh going just seeing that um was good i'm glad i did that yeah, I, I I actually retract my my statement about that. I don't know. I must have been in a really sour mood because yeah, like there's so few shows like that that exist. I mean, E3. I mean, the big one. E3 is gone, right? It's not coming yeah, back. Right. Which is like E3 was the one, you know, forever. Um, I still remember the one back in what '96 when the Nintendo debuted Mario 64. I I remember that one distinctly because. M- Oh, I remember how my sister got to go. I was so seethingly angry oh. because she and her four uh or three or four um like uh what was it? It was Academic Decathlon, so like Quiz Bowl basically. And they and mm-hmm. her she and her team won it that year. And so they got free tickets to E3 because they're in LA school. So like City of Valley was like, "Oh, we'll celebrate." Yeah, because like, you know, like we went there was they were representing like an inner city school, so it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened when that year my sister was graduating, there were like four super geniuses in the senior class. So, like, yeah, they just crushed it at the <laughs> at the at whatever it was. But yeah, when she said, "Yeah, I'm going to E3," I'm like, "You're what?" <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, it's okay. It was pretty cool. I got to see the new Mario, and like, I saw Bill Nye the Science Guy. I'm like, huh?" And yeah, I was so I was so angry because I mean, you know, I was. Did she even crying. care about games? she likes them but maybe one percent as much as i do like we used to sit down and play like streets of rage together and you know get into fist fights afterwards but yeah other than that like she i wouldn't call her you know especially now she's certainly not a gamer anymore um mm-hmm. she, she almost she almost is like like knee jerk the other way with my nephews where she heavily restricts their gaming time which i understand but i feel like she could be a little bit looser um but yeah, it should have been you that went really right i know yeah. yeah i know i'm still bitter about it now but didn't mean to hijack but yeah so <laughs> no, no, i'm glad you went i'm good. glad you went and from what the photos you sent there still looks like it's quite the spectacle like they have a lot of like huge bombastic like set pieces and stuff so that's really cool to see yeah i was i was really I, like it, part of it was just the experience and the other part was to kind of like see what these things are like post covid and yeah it is it's seems unchanged obviously i've never been to tgs before um but you know just experience with like general anime conventions and stuff and and like call me cat and things of the sort like it it's the same it's still packed wall-to-wall people um giant bombastic displays um lines that go forever um I, I waited in line for like uh 
Yeah, probably an hour or more to buy merch because I was like, well, if I'm here, I might as well buy some merch. <laughs> you had to wait an hour to pay overpay for things. Yeah, yeah was that an hour to get in? I don't know if it's set up the same as U.S. conventions. Was that like an hour to get into the merch room, or is it, uh, or is it different? It is different. Well, so like I did have to wait in a big line to get in. I was there um, before it opened. Um, not, more or less right before it opened, but it, there was still kind of a big Disneyland-esque line that I had to wait in and walk through um, before I could get inside. But once I was inside, um, there were there is a merch kind of zone. So like the whole show is broken up into uh, it's it's in um Makuhari Messi, which is way out by like Tokyo Disneyland. Um. And this is where they have like all the conventions that aren't at big site. Uh, and they have three big giant halls uh, or, and there's a fourth one that's off separate. Um, but that's kind of a, another story. Um, and then the first one is like um, mobile games, uh, a bunch of game schools uh, and the weird crypto stuff. Um and then the second one was like all the big makers uh and the third one was um a mix of stuff uh i think this is where the the merch booths were like the big merch booths actually like uh fan gamer which is you know a u.s uh merch company they had a booth there oh whoa they actually were at tgs yeah i guess they also just opened a, a shop in tokyo too I mean that makes sense. They make really high quality stuff, so I do I do like Fan Gamer a lot. Yeah, yeah, their stuff is pretty good. Uh, but the, the I bought from the um, this was the convention merch that I bought. So like this the official TGS goods, uh, and that was in like the side of the first hall. And I saw it and I was like, ah, there's not much of a line. I might as well get in it now, um, before it gets super long. But yeah, it was packed. Uh, <laughs> I didn't wait in any lines to see stuff there was like a this just to give you an idea of how crazy some of these lines were they had the uh the ipad version of uh re village Mm -hmm. uh the line to play that game was two hours jesus a game that's already been out like you can buy and play this game and people have beaten it for a long time now (laughs) i mean it's i think the only thing that it was novelty because it's like a triple a quality game on mobile i feel and japan's like obsessed with apple like apple's market penetration there is like near absolute so yeah it's really crazy uh i saw um there was a a, they had a birdie wing game there uh i didn't spend any time looking at it but i thought that was amusing i, I remember I, sent, I think i sent you guys the pictures of the booth is, uh, is it actually golf uh i don't know actually that's a really good question i assumed it was but that's not a safe assumption <laughs> could be a dating sim or something the crypto games were weird i didn't i, I took pictures to look them up later but uh, i didn't I, I was just curious like what what the heck is, is all this stuff it all seems shady but um whatever I mean that's uh, that's crypto. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly. literally just describing crypto. So. Yeah. Uh, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, I randomly I bought my stuff at the uh, the merch booth, 
and they don't give you a bag like this is the uh, japan has gotten around to the like not giving bags out thing that that's plagued america um and which is a whole different problem in japan where they also don't have trash cans anywhere so um i bought my merch and then i had no bag to put them in so i'm like carrying like this armload of junk (laughs) but fortunately there's people giving out like bags at booths and so (laughs) i just quickly set off on a mission to find a booth giving away a bag that i could shove all the stuff in and fortunately i ran into the atlas booth and they were giving out uh giant bags with uh uh what is it unicorn overdrive the vanillaware game the new uh kamitani game yeah yeah and uh the other side was the fantasy persona game uh meteor something or other nice what i'm talking about yeah, I, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Did you? So I, you have to answer the all important question of what did you buy? Uh, I bought uh, a t shirt, uh, a towel, which I, I bought partly because I needed it for a later part of my trip. Um, my strategy was to, well, <laughs> I'll get into that later, but I had a, a specific way of traveling that was interesting. But um, I bought a towel, a t shirt, um oh i think i bought another did i buy two towels i bought three things i don't remember what the third thing was but um yeah it was a kind of a plain t-shirt that i bought um and the towel had the official artwork on it which was which is really cool um because we like our house if you've ever been to my house um we have like all of the towels and like the bathrooms are uh that are not like bath towels like hand towels are all anime and fandom type things yes i've noticed <laughs> yeah so this will go into the rotation very nice what was I, did, all, you, I, did you say what it was from uh, oh no it's it's just the official like oh the tgs the, tgs yeah. official towel i see yeah they've got they like it's it's a really cool design with like the you know the they, they commissioned some artists to give them do this design and the the t-shirt's like a a monochrome like outline version of the artwork um because the they had a color one, but it was kind of lame because it's basically like they slapped a whatever uh whatever the ISO paper size is on the front of the shirt with the color image on it. It was really stupid looking. Mm. Um, it's that kind of like almost iron on yeah. style. Sounds, sounds super lazy. Yeah, it's super lazy. I was like, I'm not paying like forty dollars for that. <laughs> no, thank you. So once uh, once you found out about uh, TGS, what did you what did you have to do to get tickets to get there and get in uh this is also interesting i so you could buy your tickets online uh and you you like you make an account you buy your ticket and they give you a qr code that you're supposed to bring and then exchange for a ticket when you're there so oh japan I, never change yeah and so, they also they they had um an an apple wallet thing and you could also do the the google wallet thing so i could put it in my phone um but i had both because the paper that they also give you to print out says like you know bring this so i wasn't sure i had both mm, yeah and you when you're going in you you're you're walking to basically the start of the line and you get there and there are people that were like uh flag you down <laughs> well they didn't flag me down but they flagged some other people um next to me down like oh hey are you here for you you know <laughs> you know foreigners or whatever um 
you do you have your your ticket already like oh go over here to this tent and exchange it for uh you know your your qr code thing for a ticket so i just kind of followed them over which uh, kind of contradicts the uh the instructions on the paper they say after security then go to the 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 table to exchange your ticket well this was before security so i'm glad i heard that uh so you go there you scan it they give you a, a ticket it's pretty nice looking then you go in line and you go through the big line and then like halfway through the line they take your ticket from you <laughs> so like okay <laughs> oh, so they give you this Never they change. give you this cool like oh cool keepsake ticket and then they're yeah. like oh by the way no we're taking that back now yeah. Do they give it to someone else who shows up later in the day? That's that's what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are they recycling Maybe. these tickets? Probably not. Um, just because Japan and you know, like it, this is the country that individually wraps uh, everything, so probably not. But I mean, who knows? They they don't give out plastic bags anymore. So it is it is it is very odd in that yeah. Japan is, Japan is quite interesting that way, and in that in some ways they've been very obviously huge sidetrack here but it's like you know they've been very mm-hmm. concerned with garbage and recycling and things like that for decades now like 30 mm-hmm. 40 years and stuff where it's like you know you'll get like scolded and shunned by the community if you don't properly separate every tiny bit of garbage and stuff but then it's also like oh yeah but they'll like individually double wrap individual m&ms or whatever bananas <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah bananas for real no i mean i've literally gotten packages for, or you know items from japanese snack boxes that were basically like a little tiny plastic bag with two m&m knockoffs in it so mm-hmm. yeah this is a yeah. thing <laughs> it's ultra fun size <laughs> yeah um they they had a one of the other things that was uh kind of interesting is they had a they had an indie game area which is I was actually maybe not more interested in but I was very interested in the indie game area because you know like oh let's see what the Japanese indie yeah. game studios are up to and the so there are three main halls and there's a fourth hall it is not connected to any of the main halls um th- these three halls are basically you can walk straight through them um. But this other hall, it's not clear how you get to it. And it turned out, like, it took me a long time deciphering the map. Um, you basically have to make like you're going to leave the convention. And then you walk down this pathway. And then you go to another building where it is. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> Real sucks for the indie guys. But it was a, it, the indie stuff was kind of interesting. There was actually, a, in a way, I was a little disappointed that the the when they say indie it's like worldwide indies and it makes sense because you know tgs is an international thing so yeah there are a lot of indie games that are like oh i've already i know about a lot of these things because they're kind of already popular indie games it was kind of weird to see them there they did have obscure stuff um there was (laughs) there was a weird game that involved uh balancing a roll of toilet paper on on a board to like control a game so like you have like a plank of wood say and they set the roll of toilet paper on it and then you tilt the board to make the toilet paper go one way or the other and that controls the game it was what is this 2004 like <laughs> yeah i know right 
<laughs> it's like some WarioWare stuff. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, so it sounds like a WarioWare game made life. Yeah. Uh, there was... Have you guys heard of um, Gyar Studio? Nope. Does not ring a bell. I think they're in some way um, Bamco affiliated. But uh, I guess they did this... Either I think they were like soliciting indie games for people to publish, or they like didn't at studio indie games. I, I wasn't sure, um, and I haven't looked into it. Um, but they had a lot of interesting little indie games at their booth. Um, there was a they had um, <laughs> a Toho game, which this is what caught my attention because it was one of those um, uh, muscle Toho games. Uh, have you have you seen those things like like uh, Okto no Ken style uh, Toho characters? I have not seen it but i can imagine it oh man you guys have not seen this stuff this is like a whole um genre of doujinshi um, where they basically take uh series with like cute girls in it and they replace all of the cute girls with extremely giant buff uh hokutonoken looking dudes and (laughs) like literally they try and mimic the the hokutonoken style uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's very <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I bought a bunch of co- the comic cat I went to a while ago. I also, in some way, blame Project Echo for this. Uh, I was going to uh, yeah. say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that had a, an influence on it. Um, that's definitely a favorite of mine. Whenever I see it, I can't look away. So that, that was interesting to see. As far as um. As far as actually getting the tickets and getting there and stuff, like I know mm-hmm. that you, as far as I know, your your Japanese is pretty good. Was that largely in Japanese or English, or were you doing it in Japanese or English? Or uh, getting tickets, they the the site is in English because they expect, uh, you know, international visitors. So that mm-hmm. was super easy. Um, once I'm there, uh. I mean, getting to it, I mean, that, that's, you know, the normal travel stuff. So, like, that was more or less in Japanese. Uh, at oh, there, really? Well, I mean, no I'm just, more or less than usual, you know. Okay. I was just feeling like Tokyo area has, like, so much English for everywhere is my recollection. But... Yeah. They, I mean, they do. It's it's kind of one of those things where, like, it's it's hard to separate my experience from language ability in that respect because like i mean mm-hmm. i've been there a bunch of times so like i kind of know the stuff so some of the stuff's like i just remember how to get places and others like uh yeah i have to read the signs or whatever uh my it, it's it's not easy i'll just say like somebody who doesn't uh have any japanese ability can mm-hmm. easily navigate their way around like so um me getting there is definitely nothing special okay uh yeah the once you're there though then it's like okay all bets are off like <laughs> they have people there that obviously like that can help you there were international people roaming the the halls with signs hmm. um so if you need help you could ask one of them but it's pretty straightforward like yeah i guess i could have asked somebody if i wanted to about i guess about the uh how to get to the indie hall but eh, i figure like i should be able to find this on the map so yeah as far as international language stuff, did you see anything other than like English? Like, was there Chinese or Korean or any other 
languages or like Portuguese or anything or Spanish? Um, in terms of like at TGS or yeah, yeah, there was there any other signage or anything that looked like it was for any of those any other. Um, I mean, as much as there was English, there was definitely Korean and uh, uh, Chinese. Okay, there was actually um a Korean Games Pavilion there hmm. where they had um basically a bunch of makers from Korea, that a whole giant area. Um, but yeah, there's there's big presence from uh around the world. They definitely recognize that the yeah that the 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 gaming industry uh involves a lot of big players around the world so that and and tgs it seems like they definitely want people from around the world to go experience tgs they it seems like they do try uh kind of hard to make sure that it's pleasant for uh, overseas visitors that's cool Uh, that's that's refreshing and nice to hear yeah uh they actually sent me a survey i'm trying to i'm gonna see if i can find this real quick that i didn't fill out um it's a, a survey they're like hey fill this out um and we're you know giving a raffle for you can get an official t-shirt um they're giving out 30 t-shirts um but let's see if they say the they say it will take oh maybe i have to click through and i can't see it anymore it basically the survey takes i think it was like uh 20 to 40 minutes to take this survey. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> you, you have to like set aside time for this. Oh gosh. Jeez. Nope. Yeah. No, if they want that much of my time, they'd better give me something definite, not just a raffle. Yeah. yeah. I, I better be getting a t-shirt, not just a chance at one. Yeah. Right. I, I wanted to do it just kind of like, I don't know, just to see what it what was, what kind of stuff they were asking. But by the time I, was able to like schedule time to to fill it out it was oh it was closed so yeah but but definitely i mean that kind of just shows that they did they do care about getting feedback about you know like how well they did um um and uh off of the tgs part uh i got a bunch more questions on getting over there you did uh did you do is it was zip air is that right oh yes give us the zip air review oh yeah zip air this was this was super interesting. Okay, where so where did you fly from and to? I flew out of um, San Francisco. Okay. And I flew to Narita. And they only fly to Narita from internationally um, currently. They fly out of, uh, I think it's San Jose, uh, LA, and SFO today. Those are the Hawaii as places. Well. Oh yeah, Hawaii, right? That's right. I I was in San Jose. I saw they had uh yeah, I saw they had flight there from San Jose as well. Yeah. So they are um I mean, just for the people listening, I think everybody all you guys know this already, but they're the basically they're owned by uh Japan Airlines. They're like their low cost um company. It's like oh, uh, okay. Like Spirit or or JetBlue or whatever. Uh Frontier. They, yeah, well, from what I hear about Frontier, they're not that bad. <laughs> um, they, though, the way they they do it is they they get their costs down. Is it's basically the kind of the the nickel and dime structure where you can kind of choose how much you want to pay by foregoing uh, certain amenities. So, and what I did is I flew to Japan as cheaply as I could 
I, I basically only paid for, um, the only extra thing I paid for was a meal. And then coming back, I paid for extra luggage. So like you get, I think it's, it's 14 kilograms, uh, carry on allowance, um, without paying extra. Like that's the default, which is not much. I think it came out to like 20 some odd pounds. Yeah. So it's like around like 25 pounds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I weighed my stuff, um, judiciously before I went to try, I basically kind of challenged myself like, okay, I'm going to go there with like nothing and then I'll buy stuff while I'm there and then I'll pay for extra coming back. Cause I figured I would have a bunch of stuff to bring back. So I, I paid for checked luggage and all that stuff. And so that's why, like, one of the reasons I needed to buy a towel, because one of the places I was staying, I needed a towel, so I bought it while I was there. Um, and it's pretty nice. Um, the seating was not bad. They don't have screens in the seats, uh, so they don't have... They do have, like, in-flight movies, but it's, like, streaming, so you have to basically bring a tablet or your phone or whatever to entertain yourself that doesn't seem wholly unreasonable in this day and age though yeah right like everybody brings them anyways so. yeah it's like no no screen in the seat so i didn't have to press the button to turn it off and watch on my ipad yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and that saves them like some some weight some seat space um the seats were um not bad uh i'm like five nine so you know if you're taller than that or if you're getting into the six foot range like i don't know it's it's about probably about as comfortable as any other airline um the service was good i was worried like i was reading reviews trying to get an idea of what it would be like and some people were complaining about stuff uh like about the service but it's really it's it's jow level service the people are very nice like um that's Very what I've polite. seen as well. Like you, when you mentioned it, it piqued my curiosity. So I went on down the YouTube rabbit hole because I'm particularly interested in their lie flat uh, tier. Oh, yeah. Because I, they don't even call it business because it's not really meant to be business class. <laughs> and it is literally you have a seat that folds down into a bed. And that's like the main attraction for me. That's exactly what I need because I'm 6'1. So economy is always a struggle for me, especially in yeah. trend, you know, like transcontinental flights. So, yeah, that seeing the prices was astonishing. And then, the, you know, even the amenities and the ex, extra, you know, like uh, a la carte, everything. Truthfully, the prices didn't seem all that bad. Like a bottle of water is like, what, like 200 yen. So, yeah, it's really not all that unreasonable. I heard the food was like, eh, but I mean, come on, you're paying bottom dollar to go to Japan. So, You know, I, I'll I'll stick up for the food a little bit. Um, it It wasn't like obviously do not expect a jowl meal um when you buy the meals for sure it's it's basically like so normally when you get a thing on a plane even like you know if you get a meal on like united it's gonna be like you have your main dish you have like a a yogurt maybe a tiny salad uh some crackers um and whatever and like maybe a, a pat of butter this is literally like i got uh what was it i had um I think it was Hayashi rice um, going to Japan. And it was literally just a box with Hayashi rice in it. So 
some, but it was a lot. Like it was, it was a significant portion. So, you know, the, the normal like main course portion you would get on a, like a United, United flight or something like that. It was, it was way more than that. Um, so I feel like it kind of compensates. It's just, you don't get the variety that you would get normally. But then you got to order, like if when you get the munchies, you can order the gel air noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought about doing that. Um, but you know, I didn't, I didn't do it. Um, I did buy, uh, I bought a Coke, um, going cause one to just try it and two, like, I just wanted something to drink that wasn't water cause I didn't want to have to get up and go to the bathroom a bunch. Um, and the, the way you order is so like, since there's no in, in flight thing, there's no screen in the thing. You basically order on your, your phone or your iPad or whatever you connect to Wi-Fi. There's a menu. It, it basically charges to your account, which then goes and charges your credit card. Um, if I remember right, did I have to put in my credit card number? I can't remember actually. Either way, it's, it's not that hard. Um, it's pretty simple. And then they just, somebody just magically brings you the thing you ordered when, when you want it. So like, and the prices, like, like Nick says, they're not that bad. Um, especially when the exchange rate is as favor, as favorable as it is now. Oh, cause um, it's, it's actually charged in yen. Yeah. Ah, okay. What, what was the exchange rate when you went? Uh, it was like one forty nine. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's so cheap. Yeah, Jeez. right. No wonder you went to Japan basically like with a hobo sack, and then they were able to come back with an entire check luggage. Yeah, I was like, wow, well, I used to buy stuff. These prices don't seem so bad. So <laughs> did you go? Did you go on like a Uniqlo, Uniqlo like spending spree? Uh I didn't. I, to be honest, shamefully, I didn't buy as much as I thought I would. Um for various reasons um one of the reasons that i didn't so i went to um i went to Akiba a few times um and i think i'm ready to declare Akiba dead uh yeah that's mm-hmm. kind of the vibe i've been seeing on other like various content creators it's just it's not the same yeah I, like now that the dojin shops are gone um, it's like, I, not that like they're like the main attraction or anything, but like them leaving, it really feels like it changed the, the, the tone of the area that plus the kind of, um, Sega, uh, Gigo being mm-hmm. gone is the most depressing thing. I took a picture. Um, I'll show you guys, uh, afterward in discord, but it, it's like they sell, uh, home appliances now and so you've got those iconic like clear tube staircases just plastered with like pictures of washing machines and um rice cookers and junk oh man i didn't i didn't want akiba to grow up yeah right (laughs) and it's like it's this sounds bad but like um it feels the true i don't know how true it actually is but it feels dominated by uh by foreigners now like there's not it doesn't seem like there are people from like japanese people there um they are there obviously um but it seems like the the people from overseas dominate like every store i was in people were speaking english um all around me hmm. and you know what it is what it is like that's not necessarily bad in itself but it just kind of kind of tells you the direction the place is heading and that if the locals don't 
see any reason to go there, right? Like, I don't see it lasting very long. Uh, or maybe it'll turn into something else. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it seems like of the tourist and everything that was long-term affected by COVID that, yeah, like Aki Havero was one of the hugest because apparently it had become like, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been there in a long time and hoping to get back to Japan and I guess year after next. But, um, uh, yeah, it seemed like that place was just completely gutted by COVID even more than the rest of Japan and Tokyo was. Yeah. My money would be on it turning into something else, though. I mean, it's already, that neighborhood's already turned into something else, what, three, four times now? True. Yeah, but what it, would be next? Yeah, I'd be kind of curious. Like, it could it could potentially go back to being some sort of, like, crazy, like, maker electronics area or something like that. I, f- I feel like I, a lot of the, that culture has kind of disappeared, too. Like, the, yeah. I, there's a, there's a really cool content creator I watch. Uh, the what's the channel called? He's a. I feel so. I think it's called Tokyo Lens. Like he's a guy mm-hmm. from the U.S. who's a who actually went to Japan to learn uh, shamisen, and he actually became oh. and he studied under the Yoshida brothers, who are like the Beatles of shamisen. They're like <laughs> unbelievably huge over there, and he got um really good. And he actually started touring with them, so he got like fairly famous over there and then you know he did the youtube thing um but he did a i'll, I'll try to find it link it later but he did a a, a a segment about the oldest like component shop that was uh-huh. like one of one of those like things where the guy was like standing basically surrounded by the store it's like a little you know like little <laughs> little nook and oh, he yeah. can, like literally crawls under underneath the table to get in and it was open for decades and he finally had to close shop because um he had to uh go go take care of his um uh his uh, ailing ailing parents but mm-hmm. uh the the guy who runs the channel ended up um basically i don't I, i'm assuming he purchased it but he basically bought all of the remaining stuff and kind of wow. re- rebuilt it in his own workshop to kind of main- retain it as like a piece of history which is pretty rad to see because that is a piece of the culture that it's definitely mm-hmm. about even even 10 years ago was a bygone there like these are like radio tubes yeah. and like random yeah. you know like random components that you just people just don't need anymore because the number of amount of people that tinker with stuff like that is you know dwindling right so yeah but yeah it was uh it was cool to see at least that part of it you know being saved but yeah i think it's just a larger sign of just one japan's a- aging population like you mm-hmm. know not being able to work forever and then not having you know and also it's declining birth rate so he didn't have anybody to take it over so he just uh shut it down which is really sad but i mean you know it 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 happens to not not everything can last forever so yeah it's just how it is but i mean i i feel like i I mean to the to the the maker stuff being kind of gone from from akiba uh one of the things i did see while i was there was i i was on the lookout for um for some tools from electronics tools um since i discovered uh vessel screwdrivers which is a japanese uh tool brand uh super good highly recommend them um they're amazing um but i walked by the store that sold like tools and like you know pliers screwdrivers and a lot like and literally the stuff that that was on display was like old and rusty 
like there was rust on these tools. Oh man. Uh, that that was that was rough to look at because like that's not what I expect from a store in Japan. Like I expect them to like, you know, they wouldn't show stuff in that poor condition. This wasn't like a a, a shop on the front street or anything. So like, it's also not, you know, one of the best shores or anything. But still, it, that it just contributed to that feeling of decline of the the area. It just kind of it it, it feels almost like it's the stuff that exists there exist to be like there's lots of used stores uh super potato um uh, liberty mandarake like those stores are probably the only things there that are holding people holding the, the culture there and then those kinds i feel like those things will just kind of dwindle as their stock is kind of picked clean of of stuff by people it is just is that so, so oh, go ahead, go ahead. You first. all right i'll go so is there or did you find or have my because i'm by far the least been to japan person on this group but like is there a new or better or more otaku type place that one should go or is it more kind of dispersed throughout and you just find random stores here and there i, I think it's it's the latter i don't think anything has taken the crown i think part of that is I'm just speculating here as much as anybody else could, but the fact that so much stuff went online and even like game senders being another huge, I think anyways, a huge contributor um, that like you don't people, it's just easier to stay home. Like all the anime is online. Yeah. Like so much of these days, people playing for shiny JPEGs in these, uh, these gotcha games. Uh, it just doesn't seem like there's as much reason for people to come out um, to these places. So yeah, I don't know that there's a replacement, uh, which is really sad. So if it's so if it's like this in you know Tokyo, the literally largest metropolitan sprawl in, I believe the world, at least in Asia. But like uh, so yeah, so at some point I I don't I must I I I presume that you didn't spend your entire trip in tokyo so maybe you can start no. discussing what it was like as you kind of went to more peripheral parts of japan it was super cool i like as depressing as akiba was the rest of it was actually really great um and not to say that the akiba was bad just depressing but um as you get farther out i think it's much more enjoyable uh so i i went to basically after Tokyo, I went to Matsumoto, which is up by Nagano, um, kind of in the mountains in the Alps there. And then I went down to uh, Osaka uh, and Shikoku. And then I went up north to Morioka. And then I drove down uh, to, I drove down the coast there basically all the way to uh, oh, you went way Shiba. up there. I mean, you were yeah, based, yeah. you were you were not too far from Aomori. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was very close to Aomori. So, so you rented a car, yeah. Yeah. So, what's the what's the driving experience in Japan like compared to you know California? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Um, obviously, drives on the wrong side of the road. You know, the, the left side of the road. Also, so. a lot slower. Yeah, speed limits yes. are, are really low. Yes, that. Uh, that takes getting used to, um, especially with four as lead-footed Californians. 
Yeah, exactly. Where I'm like used to driving like 80 on the freeway. It's way different. Uh, fortunately, the, the, the KPH helps kind of trick me into thinking I'm going faster than I am. Right. So you're like 80, you're like, oh man, I'm going, I'm going fast. Cool. Oh yeah. I think, I think you're going like 60 KPH in most areas. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty low. Uh, it was, so the first time I, I drove, I actually was in Shikoku because um, my brother lives there. Uh, oh, cool. So I went to visit him for two days and he's like, hey, I can't drive. Um, so I'm going to rent a car and you can drive me around and I'll just tell you where to go. And that was my like my chance to like practice. And it's a good thing, too, because <laughs> like the one of the first things I did is he, he picked me up at the train station with the rental car. And the first traffic light I hit, I almost run. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they are. Oh, you were just literally looking in the wrong spot. Yeah, and like I don't. Mm. It's it's like you you take it for granted, but like your brain is like trained to like where traffic lights are placed and how they're arranged mm-hmm. and how they look. Yeah, in Japan, well, Japanese ones are horizontal. Yeah, in orientation. Exactly. Yes, and not only that. Like in the U.S., uh, typically, you know, they have the the big rectangular backing on them. Yeah. Um, that Japan doesn't usually do that. Actually, I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, and so that that's what tripped me up the first time. And then there was a time when I almost went. Um, I was turning to get on a bridge, and it had a divided road, and I almost went on the wrong side. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's was good to have my brother there, so I didn't make that mistake. I guess. I, I guess the one advantage of everything being super slow, like the odds of you getting into like a horrible accident or diminished plus people there generally people that there that drive are generally speaking pretty aware drivers yes although my 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 brother warned me that um people run red lights all the time really because yeah because the lights there there's a there's a period of time when um so here when the lights turn when your light turns red the other side generally immediately turns green um, and in Japan, there's a gap. So where there's a period of time where everybody's red and all the drivers apparently know this and exploit it to where they will drive through um, red huh. lights. Interesting. There is actually a gap in California light timing, too. Oh, okay. It's just a short gap, but it's there of a second or two. I remember my family pointing this out to me on a vacation to Texas in the early nineties, because at least at the time their lights did not have that gap. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm just not a customer. There's as much longer than, than ours. Uh, there's also just different driving habits in different places. Um, like mm-hmm. not really related, but I, I was, I lived in Miami for a summer and we were warned when we were going there from someone who lived there. He's like, by the way, when you get to a red light, you have to keep going. If you don't go for like at least 15 seconds after the light turns lead, you will get rear-ended. And we're like, <laughs> oh what the God. heck? You can't be serious. You're like, nope, it's serious. It's like Miami, like red lights, like particularly for like turn lights. It's like, no, you, you go for like five, 10 seconds after it turns red. You just keep going. Oh my God. I, oh, that yeah. used yeah. to be San Francisco through the 90s, early 2000s at least. Jeez. Well, I'm glad I don't like, have to deal with that. San Francisco really cracked down on that. With That's why they brought in red light cameras and things. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. The light cameras have definitely had to probably change some of the culture around that stuff. In so how, how was it renting? Did you actually deal with the renting of a car, or did your, your, your brother who lives there do that, and then you just took over the 
Is that covered? Uh, so for that in Shikoku, uh, he just took care of everything. He's like, I know a guy. Um, and so I, he just did all that. But um, for my own driving, I rented that myself and I kind of cheated, <laughs> um, depending on your perspective. But I, the Toyota rent a car has an English website. And so you just go on there. I, I booked it while I was in the States um, way ahead of time. And it it's like, it's a very um, Japanese website. Um, if you've used Japanese websites, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it's very simple and straightforward. Um, you you know, you pick where you're going to pick the car up. You pick where you're going to drop it off. And, and I go there and you pick what time you're going to pick it up. Um, and I go to pick it up. I didn't realize this till afterwards, but the car that I was going to pick up was already out front waiting. Um, and so I went in, the person was already expecting me, <laughs> the poor guy <laughs> like had to deal with the foreigner. Um, although it was, it's very interesting. These things are everywhere now. These, um, translator devices. Have you guys seen these? No. Devices? No. It's basically like a, a, a purpose built, um, Google translate device. So it's a thing. It's like a, just a cheap Android device with a screen and a microphone. And this guy, he's sitting here behind the counter and he puts the thing. It, it took so long. It would have been easier if he just talked to me, but I just, I, I didn't want to screw anything up. So I let him do his thing. But he sits here with this device that he had to go fish out from like behind somewhere. He puts his head down and then he kind of whispers into it in Japanese. And then like the, the thing goes like translates into English and he flips the screen around and shows me in English what he said. And it's like, and it's all very simple stuff. Like please bring the gas tank back full. Like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I'll, I, mean, I will now do this. Like, what, so where did you pick it up from? Like what, what city? Uh, I've picked it up in Morioka. Oh, that's why they probably have see very few. Um, yeah. International travelers up, up there. Morioka doesn't really have a lot. I feel like maybe if people are traveling, they're gonna go all the way up to like Aomori uh, or something. Yeah, Aomori maybe. Yeah, it's really Aomori, and then most people do that to take a ferry across to like Sapporo or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah. Morioka doesn't isn't really like a popular. So this guy probably just like, dude, I've never handled a foreigner, so he probably had to like dust off his his his. Uh, training manual like just you know everything's by the book there right so yeah 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 so I, I, it was interesting so while you were, so obviously in tokyo plenty of people international travelers plenty of people and japanese people that can do english to some degree but as you get up mm -hmm. to morioka i assume it's more and more rare like did any at any point like were you using enough japanese that somebody just like nihongo jozu'd you <laughs> uh <laughs> not really no uh when I went to hotels, they generally just, um, actually, so my first hotel, I did all in Japanese and that was, uh, fine. Um, the other ones, they were, they were mostly all in Japanese. There was one I went to actually the one in Morioka where I, I basically got handed the foreigner guy, um, which uh, clearly seemed like the guy that uh, this guy was, um, some kind of um asian like indian or or um middle eastern or something like that mm -hmm. um and he was the guy they gave me even like when i wasn't coming up for other for, for things unrelated to like my room but uh other than that yeah it was mostly just that uh i did talk to 
um so when i one of the places i went was cat island um but it's basically um almost like a campground but they have like these cabins um and so i go up and i i start talking um and i start saying stuff you know in japanese to him like responding in japanese it's simple japanese right and he's like oh yeah oh yeah hey you speak japanese right oh you know he's replying to me and um you know you know why do you how do you know japanese like blah 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 um but then he would just continue trying to say things in english to me so i was like whatever (laughs) i mean some people there also just want to practice right like it's probably rare for them to be able to practice it with like a native speaker so yeah yeah it's like you either get the uh the the two extremes is the the people who will just go full uh full yeah japanese on you and like then you get lost if if you have to be careful and then there's the people who will uh or that you know like a lot of times pensioners and stuff right they just want to show off their english and practice their english and they'll exclusively talk to you in english i didn't run into any of those on on this trip but i did have in previous trips where <laughs> get those old people who really just want to flex their english I think the uh the most the most fun that that I ever had with that experience was uh when I got the uh the good old United States military to pay for me to go to Japan once which was awesome for for a two week thing I was out of uh Shinosaka and a uh JSDF base there and they had the friendship tent and uh <laughs> I ended up with uh a bunch of hanging out with a bunch of JSDF uh like senior enlisted guys and basically I wanted to practice my Japanese and they wanted to practice <laughs> English. So, so I ended up speaking to them in Japanese and they'd end up speaking to me in English and we'd, we'd drink a lot of uh, shochu and, and have a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Best of both worlds. But yeah. Those guys are great. Uh, that does remind me that an, another interesting thing about this trip was the, the kind of the fallout of Corona. A lot of stuff has moved to like, uh reduce personal interaction um the last day i was that's what that country needs (laughs) yeah right (laughs) the the last the last day i was there i was my plane left at like 9 p.m so like i had like at that point i was like i don't know what i want to do anymore (laughs) um and so i went to go see a movie um and i go up to go see the movie and it's all like at a terminal where you just do it yourself you buy a ticket yourself or whatever you don't talk to a single person and i was like oh that's kind of weird but all right i mean to be fair that's pretty much how it is in the u.s now too yeah yeah true true oh Um, i i I mean gosh i haven't gone to a movie theater in like four years yeah so i wouldn't know yeah and when i have a lot of the times the ticket stand as you know a sign over the window saying buy tickets at concessions Yep, because oh, they don't wow. want to staff the ticket booth anymore. Yeah, yeah, combination of of well, at this point, it's probably mostly cost since nobody cares about Corona anymore. But how did you have to do anything to get into Japan, or was it just uh, pretty seamless? Now, finally, yeah, it's pretty seamless. The one nice thing that was again a result of Corona is so before during the Corona when they had the precautions, you had to give proof of vaccination and all that stuff um and and a test beforehand and to do that they set up this online site well the, they don't have the restrictions anymore but the site still exists so you can go basically pre-fill out your customs forms online and then they generate a qr code for you and the, the site actually is designed so it works offline too it's really smartly done and you just go 
to the when you're at you know the station you just show them the phone with the qr code they scan it and they're like oh okay i have all your stuff right like oh that's cool super nice oh that's nice that's yeah nice. last time i went yeah like all like the full-scale interrogation i got from customs was interesting because i was the <laughs> clearly you know ethnically japanese looking guy traveling with his clearly not ethnically ethnically look japanese looking <laughs> wife so I, I was i was getting the the 10th degree you might still get that but at least you can fill your paperwork out ahead of time <laughs> true i mean i got nothing to hide so. yeah right it, it is kind of weird though because it's like they ask you the questions that like because all these things are designed to, to be done while you're on the plane like while you're traveling there so like did you bring x with you did you bring y with you um and i'm like filling this thing out like uh, a week ahead of time and i'm like i mean i don't think i'm bringing any of that stuff <laughs> but what did you do for um for cell phone service oh i okay uh good lesson here i i went with um an e-sim mm-hmm. for my phone and one of the things i wanted is because i was driving i did want to have something with um a phone service uh so normally it's it's really trivial to get a data sim that's data only but in order to get um voice. you can't get a voice line huh uh, it, it's only for it's intended generally only for uh residents and that's i guess to get a way for them to crack down on like all the phone scams that they have over there hmm. um so i suppose as long as you have like a line installed then you should be able to reach anybody who's living over there yeah pretty much um i mean that's how i communicate with my brother um but i wanted a phone just in case like i needed to make a phone call or something like i got an emergency sure. and so there is a way you can get it there's um you can rent phones at the airport, but I wanted it. I didn't want a second phone. So I, I, there's a company called Mobile. This is not an ad. Um, they offer things with a phone number, but you have to basically send them an image of your driver's license, your ID, so that they can prove who you are, you are who you say you are. Um, and then they'll, they'll give you the SIM. Um, and I did eSIM, so I didn't have to like stick anything in my phone uh, at all. It, that was awesome. It was super seamless. Uh, but I did not realize that like I thought activating it would be kind of instant, but it's not. And they only activate during business hours. And so like I land oh. in Japan, and I I'm on like the the train to go to my hotel. And I'm trying to activate my phone on the free Wi-Fi. And it's, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you put in your thing now. We'll, uh, we'll have your thing activated in like uh, two hours. Oh, but, but that's two business hours, right? And, so, and we're closed right now. <laughs> so you'll have to wait until tomorrow. We open at 10 because everything in Japan opens at 10. Um, so I was basically without a phone. Because like when I'm over there, like I'm getting up at like 6 in the morning, right? Like what else am I going to do? So I was like without a phone for like my first half of my main day so don't do that i learned after the after i started activating that i could have active set the time i wanted it to activate way ahead of time but uh, their site was confusing so so if you didn't need to have if you didn't care about having the voice line then it would have been easier to get a e-sim data line uh yeah probably or like, just pay you for, might have the or like like i've got a like I've got Verizon. I don't know if they have a thing there. If I could just like, if it's better or easier to just like pay for the international thing, or I don't even know if that would work over there or if you need to get the separate eSIM. 
no idea on Verizon. When I was in Japan five plus years ago, my T-Mobile worked fine because T-Mobile ad plans came with like slow speed international data. Hmm. Like it was only 256 kilobit or something, but it was included. And now I'm on Google Fi, so international data and is included in phone calls just supposedly work but come at an extra fee or something yeah yeah well as long as as long as you do it like eSIM, that's the that's 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 key yeah like in the past like when i did a sim the last time i went and that was a kind of a pain because you put the sim in and then you got to go to like a special website and then get the like the code the 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 thing like it it's not it's not great um this one is still a little bit of a process, but it's just way easier to deal with. And it's switching it on and off is, is super easy. So I love, you know, bonsai eSIM. Yeah. I had to do the physical SIM thing. Uh, it was back in not even that long ago, 2019. I was over in, uh, we were in, we were on a trip. We went to Paris and then we went to Ireland and we had to get two different SIMs because the companies that actually like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> provided you with like reasonable service were completely different companies between like the ones that would work in the Paris area and ones that would work in Ireland. So, but we, oh, geez. yeah, it's <laughs> almost, it would have been great for that. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, Oh, wonderful. So, okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. I remember like last time I was in Japan or whatever it was 15 years ago, like I did the rent a cell phone thing. So I was told, yeah, just do that. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely a way to go back then. But yeah. Yeah, who wants yeah. to do that these days? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're at our our time now. I have I still have a I, I keep thinking of, of interesting things here, and maybe you guys have more questions. But let's we will wrap this up here, and and uh, we'll try and get back to our regular uh, rhythm um, for this podcast. Back in the groove, although we are coming up with more holidays, but. Uh, We'll see. We do our best. And hopefully if we uh, have another delay, we'll uh, maybe stick a mention in the feed or something. But any, anybody want to shout anything out here um, in this, this last one? Uh, Dylan, you want to got anything? Uh, I just want to shout out this. This has been a, a good, a fun, good, useful conversation. I'll actually have my, uh, my wife listen to it because we're planning a uh, trip to Japan in a while, and so we'll take it as some some reasonable reference reference points and good stuff here. So this has been super interesting. Oh, awesome, Mike. What you got? I don't really have anything that we haven't covered, at least that's coming to mind right now. Okay, Nick, how about you? Yeah, really helpful uh, update because yeah. Um, my wife and I are also thinking probably next like April-ish we're gonna head over. So oh, nice. Yeah, probably be a bit pricier. Probably not as generous an exchange rate, but probably still pretty good exchange rate, I would think. Um, I don't I know if we're so. gonna hit one forty nine. That's ridiculous. It's um, one fifty one right now. Oh my yeah. gosh! We could stay at you could stay at like five star resorts at a at a huge. Yeah. Huge discount. Well, not yeah. that. We're thinking about doing like a mini onsen tour, maybe just because. Ooh, got that the, sounds fun. Got the old bones in me, so you know, go back to the homeland, maybe rejuvenate myself a bit. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. charge up. I always have these dreams of going up to uh, Sapporo in the winter, but that's mostly just from from Pat Labor. 
<laughs> the snow festival probably would be a good time. Yeah, it looks yeah. cool. It always looks like one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I'm, I'm not like a winter sports person, so I just don't know if I could ever really like take advantage of Japan in winter. Yeah. Well, there's a good hiking, maybe? I don't know. In winter, I guess they close all that stuff, so maybe not. Yeah, I'm way too Californian to do winter well. <laughs> yeah, it does get pretty dang cold. All right, guys. Well, that was has been good talk, and yeah, it's, it's great to be back. Uh, back together again. Next time, we don't quite know. I mean, we'll probably be doing another potpourri-style thing next time, but uh, we'll see. It's all it's all up in the air still. But uh, until next time, it's uh, AMO Kenzoku signing off. Sarabat. <laughs>